0: Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reid. I believe that nobody needs to live with chronic insomnia and that evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques can help you enjoy better sleep for the rest of your life. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease, disorder or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counselling, medical advice or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. When Jessica moved back to her hometown with her husband and two children, she began to struggle with sleep. She soon found herself spending a lot of time researching sleep and experimented with different supplements and techniques to improve her sleep. When none of these things worked, Jessica found herself becoming increasingly obsessed with sleep and started to really worry about how she'd function if her sleep didn't improve. After all, she was a stay-at-home mum with two small children. Jessica started to believe that she had lost the ability to sleep and was losing hope until she learned more about how insomnia develops and realized that her insomnia wasn't unique or unusual. When Jessica recognized many of the common thoughts and behaviors that perpetuate sleep disruption in her own experience with insomnia, she started to feel a sense of hope. This allowed her to start exploring and challenging her beliefs about sleep while implementing behaviors that build sleep drive, strengthen the body clock, and reduce sleep-related worry and anxiety. Today, Jessica rarely thinks about sleep, and it no longer controls her life. She is able to do all the things she once put off because of concern about how they might affect her sleep, and this has given her a whole new outlook on life. Jessica transformed her relationship with sleep by challenging her sleep-related thoughts and implementing helpful sleep-related behaviours. If Jessica can do it, you can too. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Okay, Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking me to join Absolutely.
0: you. Absolutely. Um, I always like to just start right at the very beginning with everyone that I talk to, so I'm going to do the same for you. Um, okay. When, when did your sleep problems first begin, and what do you think caused your initial issues with sleep?
1: Okay. Um, so back in, it was almost four years ago now, so back in uh, 2016, um, we, my husband and I moved back to our hometown from Georgia and that was just a huge transition for us in our life. We had two small kids sold a house. we looking to buy a house. Um, he was totally changing jobs. We left um, a community that we, it was just a lot of stress and change. Um, I was also nursing my youngest daughter at this at that time and she was not mm-hmm. sleeping very well during the night. And, i mean i had never really thought about it but all of a sudden um when she would wake up and i would you know put her back to sleep i wasn't able to go back to sleep then um and so then you know the next day i would would just feel terrible and um
0: immediately i
1: just began worrying about it and researching like what can i do like why is this happening um trying to really control her and make her sleep so i could sleep and we, I remember we had crickets in that, in the rental house we were in, and it was just like something constantly that was keeping me awake. Um, and then it kind of leveled back out for a while, and I never really thought about it. Every now and then, um, maybe like once a month, I would have an off night, especially if we were traveling. And mm-hmm. but I would always fall back to sleep, so it wasn't like I'd still get a couple hours. Um, but before that, I was just used to sleeping and never thinking about it. like. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep watching movies all that. I mean, I was just the type of person that like went to bed early, slept all night, didn't think about right. it. Um, and so then fast forward to like the next fall, I, it, be, it began to be an issue again. And mm-hmm. so I was seeking, I've always really wanted to like do more things, do things naturally, I guess um, when it comes to any kind of sub, like supplements, medication, that kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I sought out um, like a natural doctor. Um, just to see if like my, I was thinking my hormones are off. I wasn't sure what was going on. And she started me on this cleanse and a lot of supplements. Um, I think some things for the liver and thyroid and just a lot of different things. And Mm -hmm. for two weeks I felt great, was sleeping great. And then all of a sudden one night I couldn't, I woke up at one, I think, and I could not go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, so for the next about 10 days, that same thing happened. And I was just really, I became super obsessed about it. Like, how am I going to be able to function? I'm a stay at home mom with, you know, two mm-hmm. little kids. And, um, my husband was actually going through another job change at that time. So there was just a lot going on uh, too, that now I see, um, yeah. that makes sense. But basically I started experiencing anxiety that week that I had never known before. Um, I had a couple of panic attacks, even concerning not being able to sleep. And Mm -hmm. I really think that little stretch of time created some different trauma effects in my brain towards sleeping. Um, Mm. i thought I lost the ability to sleep. I just felt like I was going crazy. Um, So I went to the doctor because I was really just like, what is wrong with me? And she prescribed Ambien then, um, just to kind of like see if it would, you know, even things back out. Well, I was super afraid of the medication then. And Mm so I basically anxiety just became a really big issue for me through this. Um, and so she also recommended that I look into, you know, the root cause of anxiety and different things. So I started seeing my therapist around that time Mm-hmm. And we've been addressing so many different things in my life, but this sleep issue and my um, thoughts towards it had just, they just wouldn't leave. Um, no matter, I would get back into a routine of sleeping well, and then I would feel anxious about something and it would just come back full force. Mm-hmm. And I was, I kept thinking I was over it and it would come back. So that pretty much has been the way it's gone until this last spring when I found your um, mm-hmm your information. And I'm just so thankful. Um, I kind of had heard about CBTI a little bit just because I had, uh, tried CBT. I was doing some cognitive behavioral therapy in my sessions with my therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just really thought I was like broken up with concerning it. And I just, I didn't think, um, there was hope honestly. And so that, yeah, that's how it all started. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: yeah i think i always like to start with that question you know how how did how do you think this all began because virtually everyone listening will be able to identify with at least a certain part of your story you know yeah. in terms of there's all there's almost always this point this memorable initial trigger you know or a a bunch of them you know and for you you had this whole list of them you know you were moving um you had a baby in the house you know that was disrupting your sleep um your husband had changed his job um yeah this huge period of change um and it's upon reflection you know it's quite understandable that sleep would be disrupted um and most of the time, what would happen is as soon as we've adapted to that situation, our sleep just gets right back on track as though nothing ever happened.
2: Right. Um,
0: but sometimes, what can happen is quite understandably, we become concerned by this sleep disruption. You know, yes. um, we start to worry: is there something wrong? Is there like a chemical imbalance in my mm-hmm. body? You know, um, what what? There's something wrong with me. Um, and that, that, that change in the thought process, the change in our relationship with sleep is often what turns what might have otherwise been just this kind of short blip in sleep disruption and can kind of transform it into a longer term problem. Um, so wow. just hearing your description of it in your own words, going I know is just going to be really helpful for a lot of people.
1: Well, I, I totally relate to what you're saying about that. Like, I think for a lot of people, it, you know, they just would have gotten over it and continued sleeping well. But for me, it became an obsession. And um, yeah. and I don't shame myself for that because mm. I did what I knew to do in those that time of my life. But it's good to see that and to know, yeah. like, I'm not broken. My sleep, the biological process of that is not broken. Um, it it will always come back. and but I've learned that through you. So I'm very thankful.
0: Yeah. That you made a really important point there that, you know, we shouldn't blame ourselves or feel bad that, you know, we've engaged in these thought processes or this effort to improve the situation, because of course we want to improve the situation. You know, our sleep is, is disrupted. So we want to Mm -hmm. put effort into fixing the problem. But the, the thing with sleep is it's, different to pretty much everything else in that it responds negatively to effort. So everything else in our life responds positively to effort. And sleep is the one thing that the opposite is true. So it's quite understandable that we put effort into fixing the situation. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it is often that effort that perpetuates the problem. Um, So it is important, you know, not to blame yourself or shame yourself for the efforts that you put yeah. into fixing the situation, because of course you tried to fix it. Um, it's just a case of, um, you know, being aware of the best and most constructive ways of doing that.
1: Right. Yep, so you totally kinda, agree.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you touched upon um, you were having these issues, you know, waking up one around one o'clock in the morning and then finding it really hard to fall back to sleep. Um, yeah. Were you typically finding it, pretty easy to fall asleep at the start of the night or was that a problem too?
1: I would, that was never a problem until I began, um, really worrying about it. And then Mm -hmm. I would be so like, yeah, I would say the first year of the occasional insomnia, it was mainly waking up and not being able to fall back asleep. Mm -hmm. Now I, I can even remember the thoughts I would have during that would be Oh no, like I only have a couple hours before my alarm clock will go off. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do tomorrow? Especially if there was something big happening the next day, like I'm going to feel awful, you know? Um, but then as I began to create this anxiety surrounding it, it was even hard to fall asleep. Um, so then if you have both of those things that makes for some pretty bad nights, you know? Um, so yeah, I would say at the beginning it was just waking up and not being able to fall back asleep, but it mm-hmm. quickly became every all of it. So
0: yeah. Yeah, and you know, no wonder that you found yourself increasingly worried and concerned yeah. when it first started off as waking during the night and then it progressed into difficulty falling asleep. You know, you because then in your mind you're thinking, Well, I'm on some kind of downward spiral here. What's going to happen next? You know, how can my sleep possibly get any worse? And that can just feed into that worry and anxiety, yeah. which in turn makes sleep more difficult, unfortunately.
1: Yeah,
0: so you know, as as um you know you said you found me, you found insomnia coach mm-hmm. um, as you learned more about these evidence based cognitive and behavioral techniques, was there anything in particular that really resonated with you you know like you, how you, like the theory behind these techniques how did you yeah. see them as applying to your, your life and your circumstances and your relationship with yeah. sleep
1: um, I started just listening to the very first podcast I remember and it really like from the beginning I just felt an immense comfort that I was not Mm -hmm. alone. Um, even that there was a coach for this that I I think you mentioned you had suffered a little bit with insomnia and there was just, I, I would say the comfort of that was kept me coming back and like, okay, there's, there's hope. There's a little bit of hope here. I've never heard this hope before. Um, and then I remember you mentioning the three P's. Um, and sometimes I forget what they are, but, uh, Perpe- precipitating, perpetuating, and you may want to say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we have the, the predisposed, uh, yes. the precipitating, and the perpetuating factors. There you go. Factors, yeah. um,
1: I've re- like all three of those, I was able to kind of go back into how this began for me and even how it was continuing and see, it was like, oh, wow, this is this makes total sense. Um, mm-hmm. so that was a huge one for me. And then just hearing the fact that like sleep is a biological process that happens and you really, mm-hmm. the only, the gas and brake concept, I guess, of mm-hmm. where the only thing that stops it is hyperarousal. Um, and I knew that, like, I, I was like, well, I know that is what is happening for me. I kind of, it started helping, it helped me come away from the idea that like something is wrong with me and yeah. more of this is something like more psychological, I guess, um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: within my mind, but that, that can be a little disheartening at first because you know, then you have to start creating new thought patterns. Um, Mm -hmm. and it takes time. Uh, so those are like, that's a couple, um, I think those are the main ones that I, it was just like right away, I resonated with and started observing myself through that. So,
0: yeah, I think, I think it can be really helpful just to recognize first and foremost, that you're not alone, you know, because Mm -hmm. it can be really easy to believe that your insomnia is unique or it's different to everyone else's. And when you can hear these stories from other people, you can recognize, you know, so much of your own experience in other people's stories. And then when you can do that, it does give you that hope because especially when you're hearing stories of transformation, you know, because you can identify, Oh, my insomnia was pretty much exactly like that person's they did this, this and this, and now they're doing so much better. So that gives you that hope that you can do the same and be successful too. Um, And yeah, you know, just to briefly cover that three P model, it basically just explains how insomnia goes from just this temporary sleep disruption um, to a longer term problem. Um, and it's so predictable. We actually have a model for it called the three P model. Um, so the first P is predisposed factors. So some of us Mm -hmm. are just more predisposed to sleep disruption for whatever reason, maybe it's genetic, maybe we're just more reactive to stress. Maybe we have stressful jobs, maybe we are on call, you know, all these things that just kind of puts a little bit more at risk for sleep disruption. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have the second P, which is the precipitating factors. And these are just those initial triggers for that sleep disruption. You know, so maybe right. we moved house, maybe we um, ended a relationship, maybe we got into a new relationship. Um, mm-hmm. We went on vacation, you know, just a change, just anything. It, there's as many initial triggers for sleep disruption as there are people in the world. You know, we could be yeah. here all day listing all the potential <clears throat> yeah. the potential disrupt- disruptors there are. Um and normally, um, once sleep, once we kind of adapt to whatever that initial trigger was, um, we'll go back to sleeping as we did before. But sometimes yeah. this third P can get in the way, and these are the perpetuating mm-hmm. factors. And these are typically all the things we do in response to that sleep disruption, quite understandably in a bid to improve our sleep. So they might be things like we'll start to spend more time in bed, um, mm-hmm. we'll start to sleep in late in the mornings. Um, We'll start researching sleep, experimenting with supplements, um, sleepy time teas, um, trying to add exercise or mix up different types of exercise in our days, um, cancel plans with friends, um, all these different things. You know, basically sleep just becomes part of our decision-making process in life. Um, And all these things, uh, unfortunately, tend to just perpetuate the problem. And that's how we go from just short-term sleep disruption mm-hmm. into a more chronic chronic problem. Um, so I always like to explain that to people because just as you described, it's almost like knowledge is power, right? Once you can yeah. identify that everything you experience is somewhat normal and to be expected, it can really give you that confidence um, that therefore this isn't something necessarily unusual and it can right. be fixed and you can move past it. Yeah. So um, what would you say, you know, you already said that learning about this 3P model um, was really helpful for you. Um, did you kind of relate to each each of those P's? You know, I I, I could just tell right away when you were talking <laughs> about moving the baby, they were all really good precipitating factors that yeah. fit the model perfectly. Maybe like the more on the perpetuating side, what kind of behaviors were you able to recognize there that may have been keeping feeding your insomnia and keeping it going?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think really it goes with like the first one and, uh, precipitate, uh, pre- precipitatory and the, uh, perpetuating. I really like to, um, seek knowledge and mm. get to the root of something and like figure it out. And then, Grow because of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always been that way. And so when it came to sleep, it was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I'm, you know, which created an obsession with thinking about it all the time and researching and finding a lot of things online that weren't helpful um, that created more anxiety. And so I would say that was a big one for me. Like right away, I just started like searching, like, why is this happening to me? What is insomnia? All of that. Um, I also tried uh, magnesium. I mm-hmm. like, I tried different supplements, magnesium, uh, melatonin. I tried essential oils, um, like lavender, chamomile, definitely sleepy time tea. I tried that. Mm-hmm. I valerian root was a big one. I tried, um, uh, yoga before bed, basically like rearranging my sleeping schedule, even though it didn't make sense really, I guess. So it was like just basically anything that I've read or thought of, I tried. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that, I mean, that is totally throwing your body even into a more like change constantly. So
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it, none of those really helped either like, I don't, none of those helped. So,
2: um,
1: maybe they would, if I was, you know, if it was just your normal bedtime routine, like the sleep hygiene, you know, if you're not struggling with it, but when you're in that, I would say they did not help at all. So, um,
0: yeah, you know, you, t- you, t- you touched upon it there as well, you know, that that kind of endless research and thinking about sleep and conducting all these different experiments, um, that can really, you know, perpetuate the problem as well, just because you're always trying these new things. And then mm-hmm. when they don't work, um, yeah. which on reflection is quite understandable why they wouldn't, you know, uh, because they don't really get to the, the root cause, right. these perpetuating factors. Um, when they don't work, then it just leads to this heightened worry and anxiety, you know, oh, that's another thing that didn't work. And it just leaves you scrambling, researching, spending more yeah. of your days trying to look for the the next solution. And you just end up down this rabbit hole, right, of just always searching, yes. always thinking about sleep and always experimenting, which is really unhelpful.
1: Yeah, and then, like you said, if it, you know, didn't work, you're, you're like, well, I'm really messed up. Like, everyone else says this works, you know? Yeah. So I think, I, I also tried CBD oil, I remember, trying that Mm. as well. So like pretty much anything you read to try, I try
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, with little success. So,
0: yeah. So what, what would you say was the kind of breakthrough moment for you? You know, because you tried all these different things, you recognize they didn't work. It's one thing to just say to someone, well, this is why you have insomnia. This is what you Mm -hmm. need to do. Um, but it's often words are easy, right? It's everything's easier said than done. What was it about? you know, this idea of changing the way you think about sleep, that, that kind of made sense that made you think, okay, maybe this could work. Maybe these techniques will work and they're different to everything I've tried in the past.
1: Um, I would say listening to so many success stories was a big, um, big factor. And, um, I really just decided to tap, like to address the fear head on and Mm -hmm. the fear of um, this is going to last forever and I will never be able to do what I really want to do with my life. Um, I decided just to try to get to the root of it. Um, And that, that was really like I would say back in March when I, when I found your podcast and your, and did the 14 days through email. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, I just really, it was like a mind shift of, I can do this. I'm going to do this. I'm not broken. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's what I,
0: so what were the kind of key takeaways, the kind of little snippets of information that, that you picked up along the way that you found really helped in terms of building more confidence in your just natural ability to sleep and reducing that sleep related worry and anxiety?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, for me in relation to, Um, the anxiety concerning it, I have been recognizing that when I start feeling anxious during the day, which, you know, that happens, like, there, it's been a hard year for me and my family. So like, Mm -hmm. that happens often. um, And it could be about something big or little. But when that feeling comes, my it's almost like my brain immediately starts zeroing in on the issue of sleep. Like, mm. well, I, I, I don't know how to de- describe it, except it's just, that's what happens. It's like an automatic response. And I have been able to recognize that and then ask myself, okay, you slept fine last night. You're doing fine with sleep. Like what is really, what is the root of this anxiety really? Mm-hmm. Um, which has been so helpful just in general for my own personal mental health and life to be able to then not ignore those things that I am anxious about and by dear and in on sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been a huge one for me. Um, I feel like I feel empowered now because I know that like I, I do sleep fine in general. Um, and that I may have a night here or there that are hard and that's okay because I've Mm -hmm. had plenty of those and I've gotten back into a good schedule after that. Um, Mm -hmm. so I would say I feel empowered now you know I know that if I'm lying in bed awake it's not going to be good to stay there all night get up and do something and that's been a huge like oh I'll find a new book and like one night I read a whole book like it was like that was kind of fun you know it was Mm -hmm. like maybe half of the book but it was like oh that you know I enjoyed that rather than Mm tossing and turning and feeling so overwhelmed. So yeah, that's been a huge one on the behavioral side, I would say for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think that's all I can think of at this moment.
0: Yeah. So they're they're really great. You know, I think um, it sounds like what a lot of that thought process, you know, when you found those worries occurring during the day related to sleep or perhaps connected to, you know, if I don't sleep tonight, like how am I going to get through the next day? You know, that kind Definitely. of thinking, um, which is really common among people with insomnia, which is actually quite ironic because people with insomnia are probably <laughs> the world experts on getting through right. the day after a difficult night. Um, so, w- are there, how are you able to kind of address that or recognize that, you know, that even after a difficult night, maybe you can still get through the day. Maybe yeah. you could even have a good day um, or at least some okay moments. Um, how are you able to get to that point where you just then ratcheted down any temptation mm-hmm. to put pressure on yourself to sleep or put effort into sleep?
1: I I would say um, basically just pretend, like acting like I don't, <laughs> I don't have an issue with insomnia. Um, yeah. so one huge thing for me has, I love to exercise. And when this was all going on, it was like, I just, I thought anything that would drain me more of like energy was not, I, I think I really fell into depression concerning it. And, you know, that will lead to a decrease in activity and everything that you enjoy. Um, so I just kind of started, what do I, I got, like I wrote down, what do I love to do? And I do it no matter what if I slept none or if I slept a little, like, I'm still going to go run. I'm still going to do yoga. I'm going to like cook dinner for my family and just pretend like this isn't an issue. And it sounds like kind of silly, but that's huge. Um, That that has been really huge for me. I think something really cool that's happened is um, I was back, even back in like December and January of this year for a while I've been wanting to go to grad school um, to become a therapist and a counselor but I, with this issue with insomnia, I was so afraid to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I was so afraid of how I would get through, you know, study studies. And then one day like the stress of being a therapist. Um, but I just got accepted to grad school for that. And I, I think for me that has been such a huge, like I'm, I'm pursuing things even though before it would have caused me anxiety for, because of lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just got a new puppy. And like, I was so afraid of doing that before because of the factor that the puppy could wake me up at night, you know, yeah. and just everything affected this for me, everything it had gotten to that mm-hmm. point. Um, I wouldn't express it very often, but in my mind it was constant and yeah. it really gave a negative outlook on life. Um, like, Oh, well, I'm not going to enjoy that. Well, I don't want to go there because mm-hmm. I may not sleep. Um, And instead, just like, well, if I don't sleep, I know I will still be okay, and that I probably Mm -hmm. will the next night. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, like, it's really, I would say, giving me a better outlook on my life. And um, I just feel more excited about life. And I'm doing the things I I love to do again. And that feels Mm -hmm. so good. So whether I sleep or not, I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations, first and foremost, you know, go, making that decision to go to grad school. Um, Thank you. That's huge. Congratulations. Um, and uh, it, it, it's really good that you've talked us through that. Yeah. That experience of adding good stuff to your days, making sure that you yes. remain active, that you have those opportunities for enjoyable moments and that you don't put off things because of concern about sleep. Yeah. Um, because when we do that, we just guarantee that sleep has a negative role in our lives and that sleep makes decisions for us and that we kind of concede control over our lives to sleep. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, often when I'm talking to people about this, um, you know, pe- the main goal, right, is to improve your sleep. I want to sleep right. better at night. And then when I start talking to people about, well, what do you have planned for today? You know, what do you have planned today that's going to be fun and enjoyable? You know, and get you moving and not thinking about sleep. People can just think, "Well, I'm not really interested in improving the quality of my day. I'm, I don't really care about my days. If I improve my sleep, then my days will get better." Yeah, which is kind of back to front thinking, right? Which we can tell on reflection, because really, our sleep depends on everything that we do during the day, Um, because if we're active, you know, just being active in itself is a good signal for the body clock to be awake. Yeah. And then when, when we're less active, that's a good cue for the body clock to prepare for sleep, for example. Um, second of all, when we just do stuff during the day, it's less time to think and worry about sleep. Um, and third, third, thirdly, if, especially if we can add enjoyable activities to our day, these don't all have to be physical activities. They can just be things that give us a sense of reward, enrichment and make us feel good. Um, It's less time for us to think about sleep and it helps us recognize that we have control over our day. Not our our days aren't 100% dependent on sleep. Um, And let's say you had a bad night the night before, it helps you recognize that a bad night of sleep doesn't guarantee a bad day um, mm-hmm. all that really guarantees a bad day is when we react to that bad night of sleep by canceling plans staying inactive um, not doing things that we've always wanted to do for fear of the of how hard it might be because we might have a bad night of right. sleep or how it might negatively affect our sleep you know um, so I'm really happy that you shared that because it's one thing for me to talk about it, you know, from a theoretical Mm -hmm. standpoint, but it's so so different. so much more powerful when someone else can talk us through it and say, yeah, I made sure that I did these things. I stayed active during the day. I did these things that I was always putting off, made me feel great and made me recognize that maybe sleep isn't as big of a deal as I always thought it was. Yes,
2: totally
1: relate to that
0: when you found yourself like kind of worrying about sleep, we talked about, you know, you kind of identified how concern about the effect of a difficult night would have on your day um, Mm -hmm. was generating some worry and some anxiety. Was there, was there anything else? Like what other kind of thought processes were you recognizing um, that were leading to this sleep related worry and anxiety? Was it just, Concern about what the day would be like, or were there other concerns there too
1: um i I think also like because I was only staying in the bed or going from like one bed to the other and trying to sleep during the if if I did have a bad night, mm-hmm. that was miserable, and so the worry of like another miserable night uh, was a big factor um, and you know now I've learned just get up and do something else um.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was one thing I, I would say also just I, I think I mentioned it before, but just the fear that like something is really wrong with me. Mm. Um this will be my life forever. I, I remember just like being on a walk or something and seeing other people and wondering, like, do they struggle with this? Like, am I the only one that feels mm. this way? And so I think those thoughts throughout the day just it all related. Um I kind of got to the point where I knew I could get through the day and no one re- really even knew I didn't sleep all well that night. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I don't know. I'm just like a go-getter, I, I guess. So I would still do what I had to do. Um, but I just felt miserable on the inside. And so I think that was my biggest fear of that constant, like really just wanting to get rid of the obsession about it. And fearing that that would never go away. I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but
0: that yeah, that was my biggest
1: fear, I would say.
0: So how did you move past that? Was it just purely just trying to go about life, you know, pretending or imagining that you slept fine each night and just staying active, enjoying doing things that you enjoy? Was there, was there something else, anything else that you can, you can share with us for people that might be struggling with similar issues?
1: Yeah, I, um, that's pretty much the the main factor. Um, Mm. another little piece of it is, and I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but the, I had my doctor prescribed Ambien. And so I was taking that, um, and the fear had become so great that I was pretty much taking it every night just because I would, I would fall asleep. And then I would fall asleep, like watching a show that has been like my norm for my whole life. Like mm-hmm. I just always fall asleep watching TV at night and I was getting super afraid that I was de- I was going to be dependent on the medication. Um, and so for me, really, what happened was when I re- when I tried not to take it and I slept, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. like. That was a big factor for me. I was afraid of being dependent on a medication to make me sleep. Uh, Realizing that one, it didn't make me sleep that nothing can except your natural process was huge. And then I think also just observing it happen was just, it Mm -hmm. felt so good and that was happening before. But I think um, just different factors in my life this past couple of months was creating a lot I was I had a lot of stress going on. So I think it was yeah. just getting worse. And then, you know, in order to get through the hard things you have to walk through sometimes in life, it feels even more impossible without sleep. <laughs> so I was like, well, if I know if I take this, I'll at least sleep. like it'll put me, it doesn't put me to sleep, but it calms my mind enough mm-hmm. to make me like fall into sleep, I guess. I don't know how to word that, but um, I would say the medication was a big factor. The fact I want to. See, I want to prove to myself that this does not make me sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I did that, a lot of anxiety fell away for me. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. I that think can that answers be, the question. Absolutely. It can be such a such a confidence boost, right? When if you come from this place where you feel that you're dependent on anything, whether it's medication yeah. or, or anything else or like a yeah. magnesium pill, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have that night where you sleep without it, you know, it's mm-hmm. just such a boost to your confidence because it does help you recognize that you have this natural ability to sleep. And yeah. the, the fact that you slept without it proves that all that time you slept with it was still sleep that you just generated all by yourself. And that can just be yeah. so powerful at building that sleep confidence.
1: Yes, that that has been a, I would say a big factor in this journey for me is yeah the empowerment with that,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that you you know you touched upon that behavioral aspect as well of getting out of bed when just being in bed during the night doesn't feel mm-hmm. good, that really helps I think with the arousal, the anxiety, and the worry too. Um, yeah, you know, primarily we talk about that as more to do with. Conditioned arousal, you know, so we don't Mm -hmm. want to associate the bed with unpleasant wakefulness. We want to kind of retrain you to see the bed as a place for sleep. And the only way of doing that is to get out of bed when being in bed doesn't feel good. But I think that one of the things we don't really talk about with regards to that technique is it can just be Mm -hmm. so helpful at just resetting your mind and giving it something else to think about compared to being in bed in a dark room, tossing and turning, worrying about sleep. If you just kind of shift that wakefulness out of the bed, maybe read a book, even watch TV, just do something else. It can just distract your mind and just help you refocus and just feel a little bit more calm and relaxed a bit quicker compared to staying in bed and struggling.
1: Yes, definitely. I thought of one other thing that was, I remember it was really a turning point. It was back when I emailed you about the medication. Mm -hmm. Um, like maybe a month ago now. And I just I was feeling super anxious. And I just wrote in my journal, I wrote out every single fear that I had concerning sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, It ended up being 30 things (laughs) that I had been like, that had just come over the course of four years because of so many nights with it, Uh, 30. And I probably could have thought of more. Something about seeing that on paper was huge for me. And then beside that, I wrote a list of the patterns I had created or behaviors I had created because of the fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, I would say that was a turning point. And I'd kind of forgotten about it. Um, but it was a big turning point because I saw it written out. It wasn't just in my mind. And I just, I kind of decided, um, I'm going to just address one of these kind of at a time and it may take a while, but I'm going to be kind to myself and do it this way. And the first one for me was um, just getting back to my bed with my husband. I had started sleeping in our guest room just Mm -hmm. because I was afraid of my, my one daughter comes in our bed almost every night. She doesn't anymore, which is great, but she was. And so that was, you know, causing me to then go sleep. So that was my first thing is I'm going to build confidence that I can sleep even if she wakes me up Mm -hmm. and that was like a huge step for me. It it tackled a lot of fear in one. So um, I would like, for me, I've just decided I'm taking this slowly. And I think it's been really great because the confidence and empowerment that I've received just in tackling one thing at a time has been huge and not think like before it was like, I'm going to give myself a couple of weeks. And if this doesn't work, then I'm doomed forever. Um, Instead of just seeing as I think you mentioned to me one time, you know, it took a while to get to where you are now. It will take a while. It's a pro. It's a process. It's a. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. a quick miracle fix overnight.
0: So, yeah. Exactly. No pun did intended. You, yeah. No. Exactly. Did you find that when you were writing down some of those thoughts or concerns you had about sleep that once you'd written them down and looked at them, did you find that? Oh, maybe that now I've seen that thought written down. Maybe that thought isn't even that accurate, but yeah, it was definitely. generating so much anxiety when it was floating around in my head.
1: Definitely. That was huge. And the funny thing is I can barely think of them now,
0: yeah. um,
1: which is, I, I never thought that would happen. So, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to think of one and I can't even think of one. So uh,
0: yeah.
1: I definitely, would, I, it was like, wow, that's not true. That, mm-hmm. that fear is not true.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that a classic one, which... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess that you put this one down would just be that concern over getting through the next day after a difficult night. You know, Definitely. so many people just have that as their one of their overriding concerns. You know, I'm not going to be able to perform at my job. I'm going to get fired. Um, people depend on me to make decisions. I'm not going to be able to make decisions. Um, but sometimes, you know. All these thoughts, you know, they're completely understandable why you'd have them. But sometimes when you can just take a step back and just look for evidence to support them, and there may be evidence that doesn't support them, you know, that will kind of refute them, just take a more balanced look. And when you do that, you can often recognize that these thoughts that are generating so much worry aren't even or they're that Mm -hmm. accurate. You know, there might be some truth in them, but it's probably not 100% true. Maybe it's like 70% true or 50% true or less. Um, And once you can see that, you know, it can really just chip away and lower the intensity of the worry that these thoughts can generate. Definitely. So what does, what's life like now compared to back -hmm. in the day when you were really struggling with sleep? Um, You know, how has your outlook changed? How how have your days changed? How, How has your sleep changed?
1: Yeah. Um, I think one interesting thing is this this change has happened for me during COVID-19. So, yeah. you know, life changed drastically, like as soon as I decided to s- implement these things. Uh, but I think for what's awesome is that before I would have been extremely worried about, you know, being stuck inside and homeschooling my kids now and all of that. Um And that I really haven't even thought about that. So that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say just honestly, some days uh, before it would, it was, my thoughts were only on sleep. I Mm -hmm. felt like I would, I was in a huge like brain fog with it. Um, I would be doing something else and still be thinking about sleep. And I, Mm -hmm. I don't remember the last day I had like that. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I just can't express how good that feels. Um, yeah, and then that alone has given me uh clarity and energy to think about other things that I actually like, and like I feel like I've kind of found myself again. So Mm -hmm. it's my outlook has changed like 100%. I would say,
0: yeah, Um, that's great. I think once you just get to that point where you find the you just don't really think about sleep anymore. I think that's like the ultimate goal. You know, it's so easy when we're struggling with sleep to set ourselves goals such as, you know, I wanna get X number of hours of sleep or I wanna feel great every single day when I get out of bed. Um, But I I think that the best goal is to just be, I wanna get to that point where I don't think about sleep anymore. It doesn't really play an important role in my life anymore. Um, Because not only does that feel good to be at that state, But when you're at that point where you just don't really care about sleep anymore, that's when the conditions are perfect for sleep to actually happen.
1: Right. That's, yeah, totally have seen that. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I really appreciate the, the time that you've, you've shared with us today. Um, you've shared such such great insight. I know a lot of people are going to identify with it, um, but I do have one last question for you. And it's a question that I ask everyone at the end of these, these episodes. Um, so you're going to be no different. Uh, okay. if, if someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, they're beyond help, And that they can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them?
1: I would tell them they are not alone, Um, even like no matter how alone they feel, they're not, and that there is hope. Um, Mm -hmm. I was there, there is hope. Um, I would tell them to take it as slowly as they need to and Mm -hmm. really focus in on the thought patterns that have been created. Um, I would definitely tell them to check out all of your information and your videos and listen to the podcast because, um, it's just really great information and you're so caring and just answer my emails and questions so willingly. Um, and that was a comfort as well. So yeah, I almost like, I, this may sound weird, but I almost just want to give them a, whoever it is, a hug and just say, you're, you're going to be okay. Um, yeah because I I felt like I needed that at times.
0: Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Well, thanks again for coming onto the podcast. Um, Your your story is gonna be really helpful for a lot of people. So in a way your words are gonna be that hug for everyone that's listening. So thank you for coming on. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. If you're ready to implement evidence-based cognitive and behavioural techniques to improve your sleep but think you might need some additional support and guidance, I would love to help. There are two ways we can work together. First, you can get my online coaching course. This is the most popular option. My course combines sleep education with individualised coaching and is guaranteed to improve your sleep. You will learn new ways of thinking about sleep and implement better sleep habits over a period of 8 weeks. This gives you time to build sleep confidence and notice results without feeling overwhelmed. You can get the course and start right now at insomniacoach.com forward slash online. I also offer a phone coaching package where we start with a one hour call. This can be voice only or video, your choice and we come up with an initial two-week plan that will have you implementing cognitive and behavioural techniques that will lead to long-term improvements in your sleep. You get unlimited email-based support and guidance for two weeks after the call along with a half-hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach Podcast. I'm Martin Reid and, as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep.